With every choice we make, we're creating our futures. Are we stuck in the ruts of our past? Most Sundays I run a meditation with sacred music and a discourse to help lift a particular area of life. This recording is from one of those meditations with a focus on abundance and moving into a more vibrant future. Hi everyone, it's Shakti Durga and welcome to this episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Each episode is going to feature some of the highlights from live trainings, retreats, online classes and presentations that I've done around the world. If you find value in it, please text the link to the podcast to a friend or share it with your networks. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Namaste. When we're on a spiritual path, as we all are, it can be confusing sometimes, I think, to lead a life that's grounded, where we have so many things we have to manage, where there's so many competing priorities, where we have responsibilities. And yet internally, we also generally, if we're really working our path, we can feel that there's a lot of changes happening as well. And we can feel internally that things aren't the same as they used to be. And it can be a little confusing sometimes to work out how to be you in this growing awareness of self. And so I thought we might have a look at that today. And allied to that is the story of uh, wealth and how wealth finds us on the spiritual path. And of course, there's many levels at which we can understand wealth. And for many people, it really has to do with money. But really, for me, it has to do with all of the situations and circumstances that surround us in life, which are just so lovely. And when you think about it, we all have the wealth in our life to be able to come together this morning and to sing to the divine and have blessings and go into bliss. And we have the time and the freedom to be able to do that. And uh, so that's a big blessing. I think that's a form of abundance. You know, the air's clean. Can't take that for granted in a lot of places. We live in nature that is gorgeous and surrounded by greenery. We all have enough to eat and we all have lovely clothes that we're wearing here today. And, you know, the blessings that are in our lives are so stupendous and yet very often what happens is our focus goes on to what we haven't achieved or what we don't have and that can lead to a lot of suffering. And then what do you do about it? It's part of the human condition that we want to keep evolving and that we want to create. It's part of our nature to be creators. We create our lives. Every day we're creating our lives. With every choice we make, we're creating our futures. Every moment of every day, there's a choice of what we could be doing with that moment and then where's that going to lead us? Where does that lead to? And sometimes I think we get stuck in ruts of the things that we've done in the past that we're good then, but now we're wanting something different. And so are we still just doing what we used to do because we're in the habit of it? Or can we release that habit so that we can look at through inspiration and meditation, we can find what would be the root of what would be right for me now. And so all of that too, for me, becomes abundance. When I think about the methodology for spiritual people to achieve abundance, I think we have more options than people who don't have a spiritual path. 
So, for instance, if you're not on a spiritual path and, well, I wasn't earlier in my life and the only way I knew how to have abundance was make money and work hard, work really hard at making money. That's the only thing I knew. Does anyone relate? Yeah, so therefore you're beholden to your job, you're beholden to your clients, you're beholden to everyone. You've got to run around making sure it's all right and they call business business for a reason, busyness. Busyness, busyness. The English language is so funny sometimes. Things are disguised because of the way we spell things or whatever, but it's still busyness, isn't it? Business is busyness. So that's one way. And the second way, of course, is by using mind power. And the power of the mind is pretty amazing. And it is a creative force of itself. And in our mind, when we get clarity about what it is we want to create, Provided we're able to stick to that and not deviate from what it is we're wanting to create, then create we will. But a lot of the time, what happens is we start to create something and then doubt ourselves and then the energy falls out of what we were creating. For me, I think there's a sense in which we need to have some dedication to what it is when we're using mind power because it's the capacity of the mind to keep on the same track that's laying tracks for the reality train to follow and otherwise we we keep going to these sets of points on the rail and going off that way and <laughs> getting shunted into the wrong place but if our mind could stay stable in a direction we want to go and not have the doubts or not get sidetracked then we'd have much more chance of going where we want to go. So with this other level of manifesting, we have to put enough energy into what our mind is trying to create for that to happen. And depending upon karma and all sorts of things, it can take more or less time for the energy to come into what we're trying to create when we're really relying upon the mind as our instrument of creation. So as you can see in this, we've moved from the physical doing being the apex of it to the mind driving it being the apex of it in this second method of manifesting. So you still have to work at it. Working hard doesn't really go away, I don't think, with a change from the way you do it if you weren't on a spiritual path to the way you do it if you have a bit more awareness and you understand the power of the mind. But even the power of the mind doesn't even have to be a spiritual concept. It can be a humanistic concept. It doesn't really need to be spiritual but the, th- the third way that I know about manifesting is get your soul involved. And when you get your soul involved, it's a different game altogether. That's the field of the miraculous that we start to enter into when the soul gets involved in manifesting. And so there's still work to do. It's not like we don't have to do any work. But some of the work has to transition from the physical things we think are going to make us abundant, even the mind work, We surrender that so that we can enter into the field of wealth itself through our soul. And that's going to require that we have time for internal practices, whether it be meditation or mantra, devotional practice, whatever it is, that we can connect with the soul and with the greater self to the whole of the universe through the soul. And so that connection, if we're looking for the spiritual way of doing things, it's the, the connection every day that is the bedrock of that way of manifesting. And everyone's on a spectrum somewhere of which of those three means we use to keep our life afloat. 
And when the going gets tough, what do we gravitate to? Normally, what we'll gravitate to is what feels the safest, and that will usually be hard work and effort. It'll be like, let's just work harder, work harder, work harder. But then what happens is we realise we get to a stage you can't work harder. And so then the mind needs to be engaged in the process of creating something different for your future, even though you're still experiencing whatever the reality is now, and that you don't give up on your vision just because things haven't transformed yet. Do you understand? And then, of course, the ultimate way that some of the more spiritual people of the world do their manifesting is through soul connection. And as I say, the the regularity of spiritual practice, asking the divine for it, or even just forming the motivation that I'd, I'd really like this thing in my life, but without any attachment to it. I was reading this book last night or this morning or sometime about a monk who was traveling through India and he started to document all the different people he met on his spiritual travels through India and a few other countries as well, but mostly was in India. Anyway, he just documents all these people doing all these crazy things as we hear about those stories of, of uh, well, sort of out there spiritual people in India. But he said there was this one guy in Vrindavan, which is a place that's uh, sacred to Lord Krishna and Radhe, Radhe being the, the essence of love that permeates everything. Anyway, this guy had gone to Vrindavan and really fallen in love with Krishna, came from a wealthy family, but he rejected all that to stay in Vrindavan because he felt the love and the bliss and stuff he'd never felt before, and he felt that to him that was more precious than than the, you know, just the unlimited wealth that he came from in his family. Anyway, the family disowned him and he started to live in Vrindavan. And he had nothing. He was sleeping on the on the bank of the river and begging for food and just had nothing. But his, the, the love that was inside him that was lighting him up, the love of Krishna and Radhe, and then one day, because he didn't have money to buy a murti, so he just drew a picture on the ground of... Radhe, and he started to worship Radhe, who's also often depicted as a golden mother. Anyway, so all day long he just went around and got flowers off trees or whatever and put them there and did chanting all day and was sending his love to this drawing on the ground as though this is Radhe. And then in the evening uh, after he'd finished, he didn't want to leave it on the ground in case someone stood on it. So he wiped it off with his hand and he just wiped the dirt like that. And as he did, he saw some gleaming gold in the dirt. And he thought, what's that? Anyway, when he started digging a bit around, there was a, a full golden murti of Radhe standing up in the ground, exactly where he'd done his puja, which had not been at all visible. There was nothing there when he started and there was just the tip of the, of the headdress of the crown. And he dug, 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 and he came out with a murti of Radhe about this size. And then he's like absolutely gobsmacked, as you would be, wouldn't you? And then he noticed something shiny and black in the hole as well towards one side. And he thought, what's that shiny black thing? So he started digging around that, and it was a full-size murti of Lord Krishna. As well, and he's often depicted as either dark blue or black. Just his devotion kind of manufactured in the earth 
these two, I mean, what would be the odds of someone burying those, some, you know, and him going to the exact same spot where it's, nothing's visible and sitting there and doing his practice? I mean, the odds of that happening are so astronomically, ridiculously low. You know, it really seems more practically realistic to think he manifested those things. His love actually manifested what he needed for his devotional practice. And then he spent the next 50 years worshipping those statues day and night pretty much the whole time. And he just had a life of complete bliss and people just gave him whatever he needed. Someone gave him a house to live in. In fact, he was the cupboard swami because the first thing he got given was a cupboard. And so <laughs> he had his deities in this cupboard and he'd open the cupboard and he'd close the cupboard at the night time so they could sleep and all this sort of thing. And he'd sleep outside the cupboard himself and then someone gave him a house to put the cupboard in. Yeah, so he just was just really well looked after for his whole life. And you just think, wow, what a crazy sort of thing to happen. But when you do talk to spiritual people and you do talk to people from all traditions, doesn't matter if it's Christian or um, Hindu or Buddhist or anywhere, any of the native faiths, wherever there is a strong belief, wherever there is a lot of love, then we start to find that things manifest in ways that are inexplicable. But the key to it is to be so rooted into one's own soul presence and from that soul presence having the clarity of opening the love towards whatever it is that we feel is our contribution really and it's about how am I here to contribute to this world and for us all to find that is a very, very splendid thing. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Soul Talk. I hope the podcast has served you in creating a happier and more abundant life. If you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to connect with me, head over to shaktidurga.com. Bye.